Well, good morning, everyone. If we can just be taking our seats as, uh, as, we, as we come into church this morning. And as the birthday boy walks in, sorry. <laughs> it's Georgie's birthday. Oh. You just, you just made that at a good time, George. It's all right. <laughs> all right. Well, welcome to this morning to Heathervale Baptist Church. We do give you a warm welcome if you're a visitor here this morning. Um, we pray you'll have a good time with us. Uh, this, the, the songs will be coming up on the, on the screens. If you don't know them, don't worry. Um, just enjoy what we're doing here this morning. Um, I'm Steve. I'm going to be leading us through the service and later on, uh, Tony's going to be coming and speaking because Martin is, is away this weekend. So without further ado, I'm going to actually hand over to a video that we have at the moment uh, about the Operation Christmas Child. Three, two, one. When that shoebox is opened, they are overjoyed. You can see them shouting, jumping. How much they are excited. This is the first time those children are receiving the shoe boxes. They are so happy. You can hear the laughter, you can hear the cheer, that excitement, it goes and goes and goes. Right now we're in Ukraine and today we've given out the 200 millionth shoe box to a little girl here. So it's a lot of fun. It's a privilege for us to be able to come and to help the people as much as we can. Every box is important because every box is an opportunity to tell a child about God's love, about His Son, Jesus Christ. There's so much joy that one gift box can give. They really experience the love of Jesus. At Operation Christmas Show, we celebrate something as simple as the shoe box because God uses it to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We all are here for the same reason, because we love God and because we want the children from far and wide to also find Jesus and love Jesus like we do. We never dreamed we'd have an army of men and women who would come to make this program happen. This is what it's all about, telling others about Jesus. These shoeboxes go into 120 different countries where pastors and missionaries are going to use them to bring the gospel to kids. So you may think it's just a simple gift at Christmas, but it's the gift of the gospel, the story of Jesus Christ. When that shoebox leaves that distribution center and it goes around the world, that's not just one person. That's the body of Christ joined together, delivering the good news of the gospel. They go by plane, they go by ship, they go by riverboat, they go by camels, they go by motorbikes. And these boxes go to some of the most remote areas of the world. And every box counts. After receiving shoe boxes, children are invited to participate in the Greatest Journey Discipleship Program. These children have just completed 12 lessons in the Greatest Journey. I believe that discipleship is the key and they are now followers of Christ. They will tell their friends about Jesus. My name is Gladys and I'm nine years old. My friend Kemi told me I needed to go with her to church. I wanted to teach her about the Word of God. And when she came to my church, she received a gift box. For a long time, I asked my mom for a blanket. When I opened my shoe box, 
I found a blanket in it. When I came home, I showed it to my mom and she said it was great. I told her about Jesus. Now me, my mom, my grandma and Kemi go to church together. I am certain of one thing. God is my savior. Every box counts. Every box touches a child. It's like a snowflake. There's not one shoebox that's the same. And we're reaching millions of children with the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you get the heart of the child, you will reach the heart of the parents, you will reach the heart of the family, and then you will touch the community. We are seeing churches being planted, and more and more churches are being built. We will do whatever it takes to reach the ends of the earth with the gospel. That gift box is the beginning into their hearts. Isn't it incredible how these gifts touch the lives of these children? The joy, the smiles, it changes lives. Every year we see tens of thousands of children discipled. And we couldn't do this without you, so thank you for packing the boxes. Thank you for praying for these children around the world. God bless you, and keep packing those boxes. Yeah, I was going to say, did you want to say something? <laughs> It, as you go through reception, you'll see the, the flat pack go boxes have arrived. If you'd like to take one of those to fill for a child with your own personal gifts. And there are also some pre-packed boxes, which will cost £5 each to transport to some unknown part of the world at the moment. So if you want to sponsor a box, please either come and speak to me or put the money in one of the envelopes attached to this this leaflet and we'll make sure it gets to the right place so i hope you saw from that video every box matters it's life-changing for the child who receives it it not only brings joy but it's also an opportunity for children to hear the gospel and i don't know if you heard were able to hear that little girl her friend took her to church she had a shoebox she went home and told her mum about Jesus. And now she goes to church with her mum and her gran. And it's not just children, it's whole families are experiencing the gospel through one shoebox. So please do get involved. Your life changes. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> right, let's, uh, let's come to, to worship and praise our God this morning. Um, in, in our songs sometimes, and one of the songs that we've been using recently um, is At Your Name. And in that it says Yahweh, Yahweh. Now some people might be wondering what that actually means. Well, Yahweh was the name that God used to reveal himself to Moses when he met him at the burning bush. He said, I am who I am. And that translated as Yahweh. It means he's everlasting, he's God, he's everything. And so just to kind of explain that, because maybe sometimes, you know, we're singing words and we don't always understand them. But that's just to let you know that Yahweh was the name that God gave when he, he met Moses. Um, and it's, it's one of the names of God, Yahweh. So let's just, uh, let's stand and sing together. Everyone's coming to praise.
everyone's coming to praise Joining together to honor your name Jesus is Lord, we will sing over everything Everyone's coming to praise Showing the world it is Jesus who reigns He is the light and the way over everything So lift up your voice to our God For He reigns God be glorified God be glorified Be glorified Everyone's coming to praise Joining together to honor your name. Jesus is Lord, we will sing over everything. Everyone's coming to praise. Showing the world it is Jesus who reigns. He is the light and the way over everything. So lift up your voice. To our God, for He reigns. God be glorified. God be glorified. God be glorified. your name. 
Thank you, Jesus, that we can come before you this morning and praise and worship you. We love to just come before you, shout your name, to give you glory, to give you praise, to give you the honor that's due your name. Lord, we worship you. Amen. Amen. Right, I need a couple of volunteers. They already know who they are. I look down on him because I'm the elder. I look up to him. Because he's an elder. But I look down on him because he's only a visitor. I know my place. I look up to him. Sorry, I'm just a visitor. I look up to them both. But I don't look up to him as much as I look up to him because he's an elder. I may be an elder, but I have not been a Christian for as long as him. Sometimes I look up to him. I still look up to him because he's an elder. I may have been a Christian longer than him, but my life's not always how it should be, how Jesus would want it to be. But it's better than is, so I still look down on him. I know my place. I still look up to them both. While I'm only a visitor, I am hardworking and I'm trustworthy. 
I, if I had the inclination, I could look down on them, but I don't. We all know our places, but what do we get out of it? I get a feel, feeling of superiority over these two. <laughs> I get a feeling of inferiority from him, but superiority over him because he's just a visitor. I get a pain in the neck <laughs> and I'm not coming here again. I sometimes wonder if I'm chosen because of my size. <laughs> Those who remember the famous uh, sketch from that was the week that was, I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah, so with uh, John Cleese and the, t and the two Ronnies. So um, anyway, it's time for our young people to go to their groups. So if they would like to make their little exodus now. Um, and if we can take up the offering as well, thanks. If you can just leave that at the front. Let's pray. Just before we, we do pray, I um, just want to make um, the congregation aware um, that uh, we are lifting up at this time um, Helen Lancashire and her son Isaac with the very sad loss, um, unexpectedly, of Isaac's father, Matthew. Um, so just remember them in your prayers. Um, Helen helps run our groups uh, with children. Um, and of course, with Isaac, must be feeling a very, very bad loss at this time. So. Let's just remember to lift them up in our prayers when we, we pray later, okay? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your good gifts. We thank you for the money that's been received today. Lord, we ask that you would just use it to extend your kingdom. Lord, we thank you that you look after each one of us. And Lord, right now we pray for our young people and our children. Lord, as they've gone out to their groups, we pray that you would just bless them. Lord, may they get to know more about you. May they grow in faith. Lord, just as we saw with those children who have received their, their shoeboxes, Lord, they, they had joy in coming to know Jesus. And so, Lord, we just ask today that you would just help that same joy to come into our young people's hearts. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's come and let's just worship our God again. You can hear me, I can't hear me. <laughs> Lord, I'm grateful, amazed at what you've done. I find it's efforts of filthy ranks But I'm made righteous by trusting in the sun I have God's riches at Christ's expense Cause it's grace, there's nothing I can do To make you love me more To make you love me less than you do And by faith, I'm standing on this stone Of Christ and Christ alone your righteousness is all that I need, cause it's grace. 
called and chosen when I was far away. You brought me into your family. Free, forgiven, my guilt is washed away. Your loving kindness is life to me. Cause it's grace, there's nothing I can do to make you love me more. To make you love me less than you do And by faith I'm standing on this stone Of Christ and Christ alone Your righteousness is all that I need Cause it's grace Grace loves the sinner Loves all I am and all I'll ever be Makes me a winner Whatever lies the devil throws at me Freely given, but bought with priceless blood My life was ransomed at Calvary There my Jesus gave everything he could That I might live for eternity Cause it's grace, there's nothing I can do To make you love me more to make you love me less than you do And by faith I'm standing on this stone Of Christ and Christ alone Your righteousness is all that I need Cause it's grace, there's nothing I can do To make you love me more To make you love me less than you do And by faith I'm standing on this stone Of Christ and Christ alone Your righteousness is all that I need Cause it's great Everything I have comes from you Everything I long for I lay down before you Everything I am, I surrender to your hand. I give myself, bow my knee again. Acknowledge you, my Lord. Acknowledge you, King of all. Acknowledge you, my Savior and my God. Acknowledge you, my Lord. Acknowledge you, King of all, acknowledge you, my Savior and my God, my Savior and my God. Everything I have comes from you. Everything I long for, I lay down before you. Everything I am, I surrender to your hand. I give myself, bow my knee again. Acknowledge you, my Lord. Acknowledge you, King of all. Acknowledge you, my Savior and my God. Acknowledge you, my Lord. Acknowledge you, King of all, acknowledge you, my Savior and my God, my Savior and my God.
acknowledge you, my Lord, acknowledge you, King of all, acknowledge you, my Savior and my God, acknowledge you, my Lord, acknowledge you, King of all, acknowledge you, my Savior and my God, my Savior and my God, my Savior and my God. Let's just lift up Jesus this morning. Let's just praise Him. Dear Lord, we thank you this morning. We thank you for the first miracle, Lord, for waking everybody up. We thank you, Lord, for Pastor Martin. When a child is born, we say, Pastor Martin, I just had a baby. When somebody is sick, you say, Pastor Martin, I'm sick. When somebody is gone, Pastor Martin, I love a lot, I lost a lot, a loved one. Father, we pray that let your spirit be upon him. Increase him in your wisdom and in your strength. Father, not him alone, but Father, the leaders in the church, everyone that serves in the church, everyone that plays the organ, and everyone that plays a role in the church. Father, bless them all and strengthen them with your spirit. Father, even we that we don't do nothing in the church, in the book of Joshua, you said we should be courageous. Give us the courage to also serve in the church. We thank you. We praise your holy name. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Jesus said to the Pharisees, who are among those who justify themselves? Seeking the best seeds in the synagogue, and the priests, because God your heart. Seeking to establish your own righteousness, and exultion is an abomination to God. Standing at the prominent places to pray may appear righteous to men, but on the inside you are full of iniquity and hypocrisy. Woe to you, Pharisees and scribes, who tithe mint, rue, and other herbs in the temple, but neglect justice, love, and the compassion that are required of you. He who humbles himself like a child will be amongst the greatest in heaven, but he who exalts himself on earth has had his reward. Thank you for your word, Lord. Lord, just as that um, skit this morning says, Lord, we are, we, are, you, we are human, Lord, but you are God, and you don't look down on any of us, Lord. 
and whether we're elder, whether we're member, whether we're visitor, Lord, each of us is equal and each of us should be equal in each other's sight as well, Lord. And Jesus, I just, just, yeah, I just thank you that everyone is equal in your sight and you don't look down on us and you want us to look up to you, but you also want us to, to, to not just look up to you as, as, as um, a, a major being, Lord Jesus, that's scary. You want us to look up to you as our father, as our friend. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for your love is equal for everyone. Amen. Amen. Let your glory fall in this room. Let it flow for Lord, what a privilege it is to be able to gather together in your name this morning, together to praise you, to worship you, to declare that you're an amazing God, you're a loving God. We come here not because of anything that we've done, but because of your grace and your love and your mercy that's poured out on Jesus, through Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord, for all the gifts that you give us, Lord, the gift of salvation, the gift of love, the gift of just knowing you, Lord. What a privilege it is, has been prayed earlier on, Lord. You don't look down on us, you draw alongside us, Lord. You're there for us completely, Lord. We can trust you completely, Lord. You are our God, you're our Savior. In all circumstances, you are there for us. You're there with us, Lord. And we just thank you that we can indeed have these times of worship and praise to declare you're our God, you're our Lord, and we love you, Lord, because you, we can say that because you first loved us. Hallelujah. Praise your name, Lord. Amen. Amen. Yes, Lord, we thank you that we can come and praise and worship you. Lord, that you've given us a heart that desires to know you more. And so, Lord, we do acknowledge you this morning. We want to just say thank you for coming. Thank you for being here by the power of your Holy Spirit. And, Lord, right now, we just ask that you would just... Lord, as we look at this world right now, we just ask for peace. Lord, with the conflicts that are going on around the world, Lord, Prince of Peace, King of Peace, would you bring peace? Would you resolve the conflicts that are happening right now? Lord, you tell us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And Lord, we do pray for peace. We pray for those who, who mourn at this time. And Lord, we ask for you to just help them and, and bless them, Lord, be close to them, Put your arms of love around each one of them. And for Lord, for those who've come in joyful, Lord, we thank you for the joy that they bring. And Lord, we just ask that uh, as we continue to move through our service, Lord, that the joy of the Lord would be our strength. And so, Father God, we thank you and we bless you now. Amen. Amen. So Tony's going to come to speak to us in a moment, and this morning's reading, I'm going to try and see if I can say it, say, is, is from Luke. So we thank you for, for your word, Lord. <laughs> to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, I've seen a sketch about that, <laughs> Jesus told this parable. 
Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven. He beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Let's pray for Tony as he comes to speak. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is life to us. And Lord, we pray now that uh, for Tony as he comes to speak. Lord, just bless him as he blesses us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm an elder. <laughs> I'm standing on this platform. You're sitting down. And I look down at you. But I don't look down at you as much as I look up to the technical team in the balcony. Notice I said at, not on. Two very different letters. I don't look down on anyone. And we as a church, I'm sure, don't look down at anyone. So thank you, Steve, Mark, and Callum uh, for doing that. I did ask them not to say anything because <laughs> it would ruin the surprise. <laughs> but we're going to look at that um, in a little bit more detail as we go through this passage. So we're continuing um, the welcoming grace of Jesus. And I've entitled this uh, passage from Luke 18 as God's grace is for everyone. No one is excluded. God's grace is for everyone. Now here in this parable that Jesus uh, is talking, um, he's teaching several lessons to all those that are listening. The overriding lesson in this parable is humility. And you can see from this parable that the Pharisee was far from humble. The tax collector, on the other hand, was very humble. Now, the Pharisees, they trust in their own righteousness and they regard other people with contempt. They consider that their way is right. So in other words, if you don't do what I do, you're wrong. There's my way or the wrong way. And that's not right, is it? Because we're all different and we all do different, uh, we do things differently. But they considered that by doing what they were doing, it made them right with God, which wasn't necessarily the truth. Now, uh, in this parable, God is more interested in what's going on in the heart rather than the outward sign of what people are doing or what people are saying. Now, we can all wear masks, can't we, to hide what is going on in our hearts. And to be honest with you, I wear a mask every time I come to church and when I meet people, because I try my hardest to be happy, happy, joy, joy. 
But in my heart, I'm heartbroken. I'm devastated at the loss of my wife. But you know, the joy of the Lord is my strength. So thank you, Steve, for praying that, because I've got it down here. The joy of the Lord is my strength. He knows what's going on in my heart. He knows the mask that I try and put up. Because I want to be here for all of you and all those that I come into contact with. If, like when I'm at home, I'm crying my eyes out, I'm no good to anyone. So I do put up a mask sometimes. But if you look at this uh, parable, we can see that maybe a modern definition is someone who follows the impulse to be seen righteous by obeying certain laws. And the Pharisees were good at obeying the laws. But then they added a whole load more laws that they also followed. So sometimes the Pharisees got, get a bad reputation, don't they? But they actually did a lot of good things. They gave of their money, they fast, they were called to fast one day, but they fast, he fasted for two. We as a church are going through October and we're fasting for one day, whatever that might be. Um, I wonder if anyone fasting for two days, just to be go that extra measure? Probably not, I have to admit I'm not. Once is enough. But he was full of his own self-righteousness. And he was so full of it that he wanted to make sure that everybody knew it. So if they hadn't noticed how good he was, he was going to sing it from the mountaintops. How good I am. Look at me. I am great. There was no humility in his heart. And God looks on the heart and not on the outward sign. But the tax collector, on the other hand, he was considered to be a very, very bad person. They were considered to be traitors. They were considered to be cheats because they overtaxed people in order to make more money for themselves. They were required a certain tax to the Romans and whatever they got above that, they then pocketed. And the Jewish people considered this practice to be highly unethical. And we would consider that today, wouldn't we, to be unethical? If when you get that brown envelope from HMRC on the front and the odd time that it comes with, we owe you money, <laughs> we sing for joy, but most of the time it comes with, I owe you money. <laughs> you know, I, as the tax collector wants more. I'm sure, and because there is a, someone from HMRC who used to be HMRC here, I'm sure they wouldn't deliberately overtax us, would they? I hope not. I hope not. So that we got the Pharisee on one side who considers himself to be the top rung of the ladder. There's no one other than God that's higher than him. And he looks around him and he sees the different people. And it's interesting, isn't it, the way um, that he picks out these different individuals. And he finally gets to the tax collector. So if he's at the top of the ladder, the tax collector is on the bottom rung. There is no one lower than the tax collector. 
But that's not how God sees it. See, the Pharisee looked good on the outside, but he was dead on the inside. The inside didn't match what was happening on the outside. The tax collector was the opposite. He was humbled. He was on his knees. He couldn't even look up to heaven because he was a sinner. But inside, he was alive. Because he acknowledged that his only hope was to throw himself at the mercy of God. He felt so ashamed of what he'd been doing and knew that no one else but God could save him and accept him for who he was. You see, he knew that people hated him and wanted nothing to do with him. But he knew that God was interested in him as an individual. And it was only God that could redeem him from his situation. So he was the reverse of the Pharisee. He was bad, considered by all the people, dead on the outside, but alive on the inside. His heart was humbled before God, and God was his only hope for the future. So three things from this passage, and when I read this passage, I've read this passage so many times, and uh, as I read it through and, and started to think about um, today, the sketch with, with John Cleese uh, and the two Ronnies came immediately in my mind. And I was going to play that. I played it for the nine o'clock because um, I didn't want to ask those that were doing this to come early and do it for them. But we're not like that, are we? Are we? I hope we're not. I hope we're not. So three things from this passage, which you won't be surprised about. And basing it on Steve's character, I know my place. So three things. I know my place in comparison with Jesus. I know my place in the church and I know my place in society. So my place in comparison with Jesus. Luke 18 verse 13 says, but the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God have mercy on me, a sinner. The tax collector recognized he was a sinner and he was so unworthy for God to look at him or for him even to look up to heaven. He was bowed low in humility before God. And he knew that he had to rely on God's mercy for him to be accepted and forgiven. He was in the right place. He was in the place that all of us are in. Because Paul writes to the church at Rome in, in Romans 3, there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's the position we're all in. Whether you're an elder, whether you are a church member, whether you, you're a visitor or anybody else, we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Therefore, we're all the same. There is no difference. Just a title, but it means no difference. 
And we've all heard the phrase, nobody's perfect. And it's true for all of us, except one, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the exception to the rule. He was the perfect, spotless Lamb of God. If anyone had the right to stand up in the temple and proclaim how good he was, or is, I should say, is, is Jesus Christ. No one else has any right to stand up and say how good I am. Jesus is the perfect, spotless Lamb of God. He walked this earth in obedience to the Father. And though he faced many temptations, many trials, and uh, some not so nice situations, especially with the Pharisees, he did not sin. He was the perfect, spotless Lamb of God, and he lived a perfect life. And his sinless, perfect life paved the way for a redemptive work on the cross, the forgiveness of sins for all who believe in him. God's grace is for everyone. Not just for elders or deacons or whoever else you are in the church. It's for everyone. And humility is its foundation. Honest and realistic humility in comparison with Jesus Christ. Because that's who we need to be comparing ourselves with. There is nobody else worth comparing with other than Jesus. You see, it's easy to compare ourselves to other people, isn't it? Because we can always find flaws in other people, can't we? If I look around, can I pick out the flaws in all of you? It's just me and there's 30, 40 of you, maybe more, 50, all finding the flaws in me. (laughs) So I'm totally outnumbered and my flaws are greater than I can pick out. So what right have I got? to stand up and say how good I am. So I shouldn't be comparing myself with each other. I should be comparing myself with Jesus Christ because that's the only honest comparison. And we are people of honesty, that we love one another, we want the best for one another, doesn't matter what title we've got, we're here for each other. And our goal is to be more Christ-like day after day after day after day. How am I doing when I compare myself with Jesus Christ? I'm like the tax collector. I'm at the bottom rung of the ladder. If Jesus is the top, I'm the bottom because he's so much greater, so much better than I will ever be. And we need to compare ourselves with Jesus. The problem is, of course, that when we do compare ourselves with Jesus, we fall so far short, don't we, of the mark? If we look at ourselves in comparison with him, do we have any value? Do we have any quality? Do we have any good characteristics? Well, we might have some. Because we're now, if you're a Christian, you are a child of God. You've got the Spirit of God living in you. Therefore, we should be displaying the fruit of the Spirit. We should be displaying more and more of Jesus Christ in our lives. 
So even though we fall short, we should still become more and more Christ-like. If we're striving to be more and more like Jesus, to walk in his steps, to be in his image, then this is the comparison that we need to make. And it's an honest comparison. And it will build a foundation as we work for him. The Pharisee in this parable compares himself with the robbers, the evildoers, the adulterers, or even this tax collector. Rather than looking at those around him to compare, he should have compared himself with Jesus. And if he had done, he would have been doing exactly what the tax collector was doing. And this goes for us as well, that we need to compare ourselves with Jesus Christ. How am I doing in comparison with Jesus Christ? Rather than looking around us and finding flaws in each other. Because it says in Isaiah, and Isaiah proclaimed it, that our righteousness are like, our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We need to be more and more Christ-like. We need to come to Jesus and ask him to forgive our sins. Be like the tax collector, humble yourself and ask for forgiveness. And Jesus will be so pleased to forgive your sins. So we need as a fellowship to be comparing ourselves with Jesus and not with one another. So I know my place in comparison with Jesus because I'm now clothed with the righteousness of Jesus. And there's nothing better than to be clothed with the righteousness of Jesus. Secondly, I know my place in the church. Now, in, in the sketch that was uh, performed for us, it's easy to think there is a hierarchy in the church. Um, and so, you know, you can look at it and say, well, there's the pastor at the top, and then there's the elders, then there's the deacons, then there's the leaders of all the different activities that go on, then there's the church members, then there's the, those not in membership but are part of this fellowship, and then, of course, there's the visitors. And right at the end, what did the visitor say? I'm not coming here again. Because that's the danger. People will come in and say, oh, this is not for me. This is not for me. The hierarchy doesn't work. And if you have a hierarchy, then it can cause disunity within the church. And God calls us to be in union with one another. To do everything in harmony with one another. And Paul puts it better than I ever could in Philippians 2 verses 1 to 4. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit 
and one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. And the key to unity in the church is in verses three and four. So do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. How are we doing? Failed miserably. I, I, this, this is a word for me as well. Uh, it's because I'm standing up here doesn't mean it doesn't apply. It's quite a challenge, isn't it? Do nothing out of selfish ambition, but in humility. Look to others rather than look to yourself. That's my place in the church. That's your place in the church. And it's important as a fellowship that we have a common identity. And that common identity is disciples of Jesus Christ. That should be at the forefront of everything we do in this church. Now, I know because we're human, we might not always agree with everything that goes on. I can remember one church meeting years and years and years ago. I got so angry when I left the church meeting. I drove my car and someone unfortunately pulled out in front of me. I was already angry before he pulled out in front of me. So I got right up behind him and when nothing came the other way, I overtook him and as soon as I'd overtaken him, I jammed on my brakes. <laughs> See the light headlights go, whoa. How stupid. You know, I could have killed them and me because I was so angry. I'm pleased to say, for those that are not church members and are thinking about it, it's not like that anymore. They're much better and much shorter. They're much, much better now. But we should be in unity. We won't always agree on everything, but we need a common cause. And what is that common cause? And I don't need to put this up, do I? Because if I asked you to recite it, it's on the screen now, so you just read it. What is it? Our purpose statement. Heathervale Baptist Church is here in Newhall. We are the church helping people to make a journey to know and love Jesus Christ. That's the, why we're here. And to do this, we have to work together. We have to recognize each other's gifts as equally as important. God has given you and me in this fellowship because this fellowship cannot do without you, cannot do without me. That's your place in the church. Now, my personal view, <laughs> this is not me on behalf of the leaders, this is my personal view that there is not a hierarchy in Hellevale Baptist Church. I see it, personal view, I see it as a straight line, a horizontal straight line. doesn't matter where you put the pastor on this line or the elders or the deacons or the church members or the visitors or so on. We all have a role in this church to play. And if we don't play that role, the church 
does not benefit. We need to be of one mind. And Paul again, I love Paul. He just, he just answers it all for me. 1 Corinthians 12, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. And so the body is not made up of one part, but of many. So there's many here this morning. And it doesn't matter whether you think you're a hand or a foot or an eye or an ear or a finger, it doesn't matter. You are important to the body of Christ. And the body needs each one of us to be healthy. Without any one, we'd fall apart. And I know as I was thinking about this, I think, you know, if I had no fingers, how would I do up buttons? Difficult. So it doesn't matter who we are. God has gifted you with something this fellowship needs in order to be healthy. I remember years ago, uh, Walter Taylor, who was a member here, um, he came up to me and he said, I wish I could do all the things that you do, but I can't. The only thing I can do is pray. And I said to him, Walter, that is the greatest thing, that you, the gift that you have got, because there's more power in prayer than any of the things I could ever do. So please don't stop and don't consider the gift that you've got isn't the same one that I've got. I need him and he needs me. So finally, my place in society. Luke 18, 11 to 12, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. Now, what are, what's that going to be if we're like that in society? Is that going to draw people to us? No. I mean, the saying says, you're so heavenly minded to be of no earthly use. That's not what we need to be, is it? We need to be of earthly use in society. You see, if we want to feel good about ourselves, it's very simple. Just find someone that is down and out, um, has got lots more problems than you've got, um, is in a worse position than you are, and it will make you feel good about yourself. By comparing yourself to others, as I've already said, is not good, is not good. And if we do that out in the world, how are we going to draw people to ourselves in order to then speak the gospel? See, the Pharisee forgot the second command, to love your neighbor as yourself. Because he then shouldn't have done it in order to get to the bottom rung of the ladder for the tax collector. But loving your neighbor as yourself is so easy to say and so difficult to do. It is so hard because it's about loving your enemies, loving people that are different to you, 
different to me. But I love them regardless. It's this agape love that we need to have for all those outside those doors. Because the moment we walk through those doors is the mission field. And we need to be prepared to give an account of our faith. If we don't, we fall into the same trap as the Pharisee, compares himself to all those around him. Now, on one hand, he was doing what the law required, but he forgot the second command. I may be doing all of this, but I still love all the people on this side, and even those at the bottom rung of the ladder, the robbers, the evildoers, the adulterers, and this tax collector. It's this self-righteousness that makes it difficult to reach the world around us. If we are like this, and we come across in this way, and we ask people, or we get the opportunity to ask people, you know, um, or tell people about Jesus Christ, it's as if we're saying, come to Jesus so that you can be more like me. Because look at me, how great I am. No, it's come to Jesus because I came to Jesus and I was a sinner and he forgave me. And now I have life in all its abundance because of Jesus Christ. See, as Christians, we're called to be salt and light in the community. We're called to be different to those around us. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. How else are they going to, are we going to draw people to us unless we're different? That they see something different in us that they want. What makes you do this? What makes you say that? It will draw people to us and give us that opportunity. Just to give you an example, and this is not, I promise you, to pat myself on the back. When I was at TAG, um, and it, uh, for those that don't know TAG, it was Farnborough, the business aviation park. And uh, we had a, a manager's meeting, um, and it was at the end of uh, the financial year, and the, manage, the managing director calls all the managers in. <clears throat> and um, we sit around this table, and he tells us how well we've done, or not done, as the case may be. And he went around the table, and uh, it was the annual bonus time. So are we going to get the bonus this year? And he turned to the financial director and he said, yep, you're going to get it. You're going to get the bonus. He looked at the quality manager and said, you're going to get the bonus. He looked at the technical manager and said, you're going to get the bonus. He looked at me, commercial manager, and said, you're going to get the bonus. He looked at the maintenance manager and said, you're not. You failed to deliver what I asked you to deliver. He turned to the stores manager and he said, you're not either for exactly the same reasons. Hold on a minute. He said at the beginning, you know, we've met the target. We haven't way exceeded it, but we've met the target. <coughs> Isn't that everyone should have been rewarded the same? So after they went, I stayed behind. And I said to him, I don't want it. Because it's all or nothing. If I'm not worthy of it, 
then you know, if they're not worthy of it, then I'm not worthy of it. And I refused. And I said, if you pay me, I will draw it out and I will put it on your desk. And that was the beginning of the end of my relationship with TAG. Because six months later, I handed in my notice. I want to stand and be a person of integrity because that's what my faith asked me to do. What did Jesus do when he was out in the, in the community? He met with people. It doesn't matter where he was, he met with people. He had compassion for the sick, the lost, the lonely, the homeless, the marginalized, and he never turned anybody away. He longed for people to be saved. He longed for people to be healed in body, mind, and spirit. And he met them in all kinds of places. He met them in the synagogue. He met them in boats. He met them on the shore side. He met them in towns. He met them in the countryside. He met them in busy places. Wherever they were, he went out to meet them and expressed the love of God to everyone he met. Why? Because he was different. He was different. He was the son of God and wanted the best for everyone. Doesn't matter how busy he was, he had time for people. When we're out in the world, in the mission field, when we go through those doors, have we got time for people? Will people look at us and want what we've got? See, it's quite a challenge, isn't it? We need to make time for people. Jesus made time for people. We can all be busy and we live in a busy world, but we need time to be with people, to listen to what they've got to say and to respond accordingly. They won't be the same as you, won't be the same as me, but they're equally as important to God. And so they should be equally as important to us. So we're all out in society. Some of us are working, some of us are not, some of us are at college and all these other places where we're meeting lots and lots of people and we're called to be salt and light. We need to make a difference wherever we are in this world. So I know my place in the church. I know my place in comparison with Jesus. I know my place in society. And that's what will draw people to Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you are the perfect example, that you led a sinless, spotless life, but died a death of a criminal, that we might have life in its abundance. And thank you that you were so willing to forgive each one of us and that we have this life in abundance, not only here on earth, but for eternity with you. But Lord, there is a, a hurting world out there Will you help us to be different? To draw people to ourselves in order to draw them to you and to show them Jesus Christ, high and lifted up. So Lord, we pray that as we go into this week, that you'll give us those divine appointments, that we might share the good news of Jesus Christ and many more will come into the kingdom 
because you are the only way. You are the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. So let's stand and sing as we finish our service. Everyone needs compassion. Love that's never failing Let mercy fall on me Everyone needs forgiveness The kindness of a saviour The hope of nations Saviour he can move the mountains, my God is mighty to save, He is mighty to save forever, author of salvation, He rose and conquered the grave, Jesus conquered the grave, so take me as you find me. All my fears and failures Fill my life again I give my life to follow Everything I believe in Now I surrender Savior, He can move the Safe forever, author of salvation. He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Jesus, shine your light and let the whole world singing for the glory of the risen King. Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, He rose and He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation. He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy, your grace, your love to each one of us. Everyone needs compassion. So, Lord, as we go out into this week, Lord, may we show compassion to those around us. May we realize that the playing field is level. And, Lord, we're looking to Jesus, the author of salvation. Amen. Amen. Please join us for tea and coffee next door if you want to remember.